Billy Napier has coached his best game as the head coach of the Florida Gators. He did it against the Tennessee Vols. He did it. We're going to talk about that and so much more here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gator Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And happy Victory Monday, you beautiful mother truckers. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. Today's episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers bet $5, get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And if you haven't yet signed up for Florida Victorious, sign up for Florida Victorious. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and save 20% off your first month. And before we talk about Billy Napier and this fantastic coaching performance that he put forth and, and Trevor Etienne and Graham Mertz and Austin Armstrong and all those guys, before we talk about that, I do have to acknowledge something. Um, a, a Tennessee Volunteers fan brought this to my attention. Um, Knox underscore Vol865 tweeted out on Thursday, uh, the host of Locked On Gators is embarrassingly bad because I picked Florida to win that game. But no, he, he's got a point. Uh, the host of Locked On Gators may embarrassingly bad yeah um i'm gonna give it to you i can't believe how stupid i am that i thought the tennessee volunteers would score 24 on austin armstrong in the swamp that's that's on me guys that's my bad won't happen again um i take full credit for that i apologize that's that's my fault that's i'm a big dumb dummy for that one (laughs) um but man i'll tell you there were so many volunteers fans in the comments on thursday friday and in my twitter mentions just like you're an idiot don't stand a chance and you were all wrong brain dead i love it i would expect nothing less from you but back to the actual matter at hand billy napier his best performance as the head coach of the florida gators was on saturday night against the tennessee volunteers and i mean as a head coach and offensive coordinator his best performance easily First drive, they came out going jet motion with Eugene Wilson the third. Whether they ended up doing the touch pass or they faked it and, and did something else with this runner pass, it was beautiful. The first drive, there almost every single play saw that Eugene Wilson jet motion. You established the tone as the Florida Gators there. You did what you had to do which was you had to come out on your first drive and just show you can move the ball. That's all you had to do. You just had to make sure that you showed you can move the ball. And they did that. Ended with a missed uh, miss field goal. That, that sucked, yes. But Billy Napier drew up a beautiful game script to start it. It was just 
dominant on that drive. I get it. It wasn't like, oh, big play, big play, big play. I understand how demoralizing a big play can feel. I don't think there's anything more demoralizing than a 14-play drive where the team just goes downhill. Like, like I don't think there's anything more demoralizing than that. I'd much rather go, our guys collided. There was a pick play. There was a miscommunication, and that's why you picked up just a huge gain. Because at least I can say that. But if a team just goes downhill and punches you in the mouth for 14 plays, that's way more demoralizing. Because that's them telling you, hey, guess what, Vols? You're not good enough, and you never were. Beating Virginia, congrats. Beating Austin P, congrats. You couldn't beat the Florida Gators. You couldn't go to the Swamp and win. And I love how every Tennessee Volunteers fan that I saw, they came in the comments on Thursday and Friday talking about how I was wrong saying that the Volunteers defense really wasn't as good as people were giving it credit for. Their front four, good. Okay? Maybe great. Everyone behind them, Buns, buns, cheeks, trash, nothing. That's all you had back there. Okay? The Volunteers have a fine defensive front. Anything after that, you suck. And it showed. It showed because I said on Friday, what Florida has to do in the run game, get behind the defensive line. And there's plenty of yards there. There's plenty of missed tackles there. Get behind the defensive line and you will make big plays. The Tennessee Volunteers missed 11 tackles on Saturday night. 11. Going into the game, Florida had nine missed tackles on the year. And Tennessee did that in a game. You're garbage there. Know your place, Tennessee. It's below the University of Florida. Okay? Trevor Etienne. Just round of applause real quick. Trevor Etienne has surpassed Montreal Johnson as the better back. I know going into the season, I was one of the, I think, few people who was saying, hey, Montreal Johnson's the better running back. And I will preface that by saying, even when I said that, I said, for now. I said Trevor Etienne could become the better back this year, but based on 2022, Montreal was better. That has not changed. But Trevor Etienne has just been so explosive and consistent outside and between the tackles. Trevor Etienne's a force to be reckoned with in the run game. He forced nine of those missed tackles against Tennessee. Trevor Etienne had his coming out party. Based on the first drive, I thought it would be Eugene Wilson the third. He did get banged up. I do not expect him to play against Charlotte regardless of even if they say, hey, you know, he's pretty healthy. I would expect him to rest for SEC play. That'd be my guess. But Trevor Etienne, it was his coming out party. The 62-yard touchdown just felt like, like, a, like a changing of the tides there. Because you had that, that big Tennessee first drive, which, by the way, that play with Miguel Mitchell, where I just gave myself a paper cut, that play with Miguel Mitchell where – he was the he was the man that got beat on the vertical route, and I know a lot of Gators fans keep complaining about it being a, a pick route. 
right there. We talked about it. It's the only concept we talked about by name when talking about this Tennessee Volunteers offense. The only thing that we talked about by name was switch verticals. That was the only play that, or the only concept that I spoke about. And I said, hey, this is something they love to do. You have to watch for it. They ran that switch verticals, making the defensive defensive backs collide. Big play came from it. That's what they do. That's why they're a Mickey Mouse offense. Because they had that big play, and then they were clamped after that. Okay? Great first drive. Great first drive, Tennessee. If only you didn't suck the entire rest of the game. Okay? I don't lose in Florida. You sure the hell did, Joe. You sure did. Damn. That sucks for you. I know that a lot of Florida Gators fans were... We'll say bothered by the uh, conservative play calling in the second half for the Florida Gators. I get that. I do understand it. It was even too conservative for me, honestly. And I think a lot of it came down to Graham Mertz's hand. Uh, not, I know his left hand. He, it sounded like he had a jam or a sprain with a finger. Um, to me, it's more about the right hand. He had a cut on his right thumb. That happened shortly after the left hand. But a cut on his right thumb where he was bleeding a ton. Um, had to get a new towel because he was bleeding so much, but bleeding a ton right there. I think that had more to do with it because I think Billy Napier wanted to keep Graham Mertz in to have that experience, to have that leadership, to have that command of the offense, which Graham Mertz has. And Graham Mertz has been awesome. Um, We're going to talk about him later more in detail because he's just been impressive as hell. There's no other way to put it. But I think that Billy Napier wanted Graham Mertz on the field, but he also recognized that a, a thumb specifically could lead to a couple errant passes and we don't want to give Tennessee a chance to get back into this. Personally, I would have gone maybe more of the jet sweeps with Ricky Pearsall, the little pops right there, whatever it is to just, just get the the mundane, just hand off Trevor Etienne, hand off Trevor Etienne, hand off Trevor Etienne out of the way. But Billy Napier, I mean, it was just a fantastic performance. There's no other way to talk about it. You, there, There's just no other way. Billy Napier with the constant shifting of the tackles from the right side to the left movement. Oh my goodness. Gave Tennessee fits, put them in hell. It was, it was awesome to see like Billy was in his bag more than he'd ever been. It was, it was just, he, he just cooked the entire time. It was awesome to see. Um, but you know who else was in their bag? Austin Armstrong. We're going to talk about him and that 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 beautiful 30-year-old fantastic defensive coordinator. Before we do that, though, this episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by BetterHelp. And do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Almost every single night for me. Almost every night. I like lay down and I'm like, oh my God, what would happen if this happened? Um, and it, it's oftentimes about... Like, like a football play or a scheme. There's a reason I always keep this notepad near me because I think of something football schematic and I, and I write it down. Um, I do. I don't care how nerdy or awful that sounds. But do your thoughts start racing right before bed? Other inopportune times? And it's like, oh, I should really pay attention to this. Hmm. What about this that's going on at work? With that, If you're thinking of starting therapy, which will help with that, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash lockedoncollege today to get 10% off of your first month. 
Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. And Austin Armstrong was a, I will say, risky hire. He had two years of defensive play calling duties and defensive play calling experience before that, but that's Southern Miss. He got hired to be the inside linebackers coach at Alabama, and the thought was in a year or two he's going to be their D.C. A week after he got hired at Alabama, Patrick Tony goes to the Cardinals. Billy Napier, hey, Austin, come on down. Austin Armstrong came to the SC. His first game, the game plan was good. It was the communication that sucked. Second game, everything looked pretty good. Execution wasn't as good as it should have been in the McNeese State game. Uh, Mostly, I think the run for McNeese State, I think the run game worked too well for them. Uh, And when Tennessee did go to their run, it wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. They just didn't go to it early and often enough, and then they were in a position where they couldn't really go to it if they wanted to get back into it. But I think that the game plan, on on a sample, sides of the ball, but we're talking defense now. The game plan for Austin Armstrong was nothing short of incredible against the Tennessee Volunteers. Like this is an offense where people can call it a Mickey Mouse offense. I call it a Mickey Mouse offense. It's hard to figure out. Because the passing concepts, the switch verticals, all that stuff, it works. Because you ju- you're going deep. You just need one person to screw up on the back end, and you don't even need them to do it every time. You just need to get them to screw up once every three or four times you do it, and then you're toasting them. That works consistently. When you can run the ball the way Tennessee was able to run the ball, which, again, I think that was a bit overrated going into the game, then yeah, you you can you can operate however you want to operate. But Austin Armstrong put together a game plan to completely kill it. When we've seen Joe Milton struggle, Tennessee had previously gone with the motion, the running back out wide, look for the quick game in the flat, look for the slant, look for whatever it is in the flat. And I absolutely loved the approach that Austin Armstrong took to say, hey, you're not going to do that. You want to win this game, Joe Milton? You want to win this game, Josh Heupel? Run a damn offense that works. Run a real offense. Play quarterback, not shot putt simulator 2023. Play quarterback. We get it. You can throw the ball really far and really fast. We get it, Joe. We get that, Joe Milton. Guess what? We dealt, we had that last year. We had a quarterback that could do that. He could throw the ball really far and really fast. But he was inconsistent. Joe Milton is that, but worse. Because Anthony Richardson, it was his first year as a starter, third year in college football. Joe Milton's, what, sixth year senior now? And you're still playing the way that you're playing? Buddy boy, have fun in the XFL. Like, you're going to get drafted to the NFL. But, man, sixth year and you're still playing like that, it's rough. It's rough. But I do love that when Tennessee would motion someone out wide, or when Tennessee would motion the running back specifically out wide, you would see, I think think it was just strictly dependent on which side they rotated to, or which side they motioned to, but you would see their Shamar James follow the running back into the flat, or into the slot, and Shamar James would have that responsibility. Or you would see uh, Prince Liam on go out to that side 
and that was their approach to the to the slot uh, the the running back motion the screen game that was their approach to it was hey we're going to put a big guy out there because we know you're not running deep think about it if this was an actual offense that was trying to work and trying to be explosive and trying to be effective and trusted their quarterback all those things you know what they would have done they would have motioned the running back to the princely side and told them to run straight. We'll let you put your Jack linebacker in coverage. But Florida didn't have to do that because Austin Armstrong recognized they're not going to do that. They're going to try to throw the screen to get Joe Milton an easy completion because he's not good enough to get completions on his own. And they're trying to get just easy yardage there. So we're going to put a big guy out there because we're not worried about having to run downfield. Granted, Shamar could run down with him. But Princely, if you run out with Princely, I don't think Princely can operate in coverage like that. So that was their approach. And it worked damn near every single time. So it was just a fantastic play. Because Tennessee's looking for quick, easy completions with big play potential. And Austin Armstrong said, "Mm mm-mm, big dog, earn it. Earn it. Because we will defend. Like, that Tennessee offense is one of those offenses where you go, Make them defend every blade of grass on that field. And Austin Armstrong said, okay, we will. And they did that brilliantly. It was a hell of a performance for Austin Armstrong. It was just, it was awesome. Um, it, it was a fantastic performance. I loved it. It was beautiful to see. Like Austin Armstrong put forth a performance that's just like, hey, I'm here. And that was that. Pressure got in consistently. Prince Leumon Mielin, we saw him kind of have, I don't want to say a breakout game, because I, I don't think that what he did, what he did in this game, what Prince Lee did against the Volunteers was great. I don't want to call it a breakout game. Okay? It, it's just as simple as that. So it was a damn good game. I just don't like calling it a breakout. But Prince Leumon Mielin, um against Tennessee specifically, he doubled his pressure numbers. He has eight pressures on the year now. He had four against Tennessee. Like, he, he showed up and he did his thing. Like, he did what he had to do. But again, I don't think you can call it a break. When he gets like a two-sack game, I'll call it a breakout. Kayla Banks, three pressures. Tyreek Sapp, two pressures. Kelby Collins, Chris McClellan, Desmond Watson, Scooby Williams, Manny Nunnery, and Taraja Mitchell all had pressures also. Like, this was a great game by this defense. I know that if you look at the PFF grades, um, Shamar James is the lowest-rated player that's missed tackles more than anything else. Scooby Williams, also not a great grade, because he also missed tackles. Those two combined for five missed tackles against Tennessee, so that was rough. But honestly, I don't even necessarily mind that too much, because, one, they were put in space quite a bit. Scooby wasn't the one motioning out when the running back went into the slot, but when the running back ran his little, like, like a swing motion, and then they snapped it, Scooby was usually the one that had to fire down on it. So I get it. It was a lot of operating in space and open field tackling, and that's where you're going to get more issues than anywhere else, especially against some of the guys that Tennessee has, like Squirrel White, Jalen Wright, or, yeah, Squirrel White, uh, Jalen Wright, like some of those guys. It's hard to tackle them. And I will also say I will forever hate putting Prince Lee Monmielen in coverage on third and long. He just shouldn't be there on third and long. If he's supposed to be your pass rusher, he's supposed to be your premier pass rusher. 
I think on passing downs, you have to let him rush the passer. That's right. It's not a knock on him in any way, shape, or form. It's just if he's supposed to be your guy, let him be your guy. But again, that like that's my complaint. That's my only complaint about the defensive side that you put Princely in pass coverage. That's just a philosophical disagreement. That's how that's how like great of a defensive performance this was. That I'm being nitpicky by saying I don't like that he was in pass coverage on a passing down. Yeah, we're in pretty good shape then, I think. I think that we could agree, okay, this is this is not a bad performance at all for the Florida Gators defense. We're about to talk about Graham Mertz, but first it is time for your game changer of the week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Trevor Etienne was against the Tennessee Volunteers, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. Remember how Trevor Etienne broke loose for that 62-yard touchdown that I mentioned, and it felt like the turning of the tide? Like it felt like, oh, Tennessee scored quickly. We can have explosive plays too. Athletic Brewing, they've done the equivalent. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. You can find Athletic Brewing Co.'s non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewingco.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, no space, to get 15% off of your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewingco.com. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we are available daily and free wherever you in the podcast. I do urge you, if you have not yet, to join the Lockdown Gators Discord. The link's in the description below. We have a ton of fun there. Uh, pretty much all game, we're in there chit-chatting, talking. Um, that's the best time to to get me at all, really, uh, is, is during that. Because all I have is my phone out, my laptop to the side to take notes. Uh, notepad to draw up a play if I see it and I like it and the game. Um, but Graham Mertz on Saturday night played a great football game. I will say this. Graham Mertz is exceeding expectations because all I said, all I need you to do is be a game manager. You don't have to carry the load at all. He He's picked up more than I expected him to. Okay. 75% completion percentage is great doing a fantastic job of taking care of the football. One interception on the year, and a hit off Ricky Pierce all popped up. That's that's what we're talking about. That's the only thing. However, Graham Ertz currently has the sixth shortest average depth of target in the country among starting quarterbacks. Sixth shortest average depth of target means he's just not throwing the ball deep at all. Like that's that's not I would love to see him throw the ball deep more often, but six shortest average depth of target among starting quarterbacks. That means quarterbacks with basically at least 40 dropbacks, averaging 6.1 yards per attempt. Or average depth of target, like 6.1 yards downfield is where he's throwing the ball. However, even the guys that have shorter average depth of targets. He's completing at a higher rate. He's converting at a higher rate than those guys are. Like so, he's still doing that job very well. But no, the big time throws are not there. Like Graham Mertz is still who we thought he was. 
for the most part. Like, he's still not a world beater, but he's making plays that we did not expect from him. You look at just the game against the Tennessee Volunteers. There were, off the top of my head, I think of two plays where Graham Mertz saw the pressure coming in and evaded it, which, oh my God. You know what I think it is? I think that for the first few years of his career, nobody told Graham Mertz at Wisconsin that he can do that. I think that's what it was at Wisconsin. Like at Wisconsin, Graham Mertz was just like, oh, once they get in the backfield, I have to take the hit. I think that might be what it was. Because then you look at what he's doing in Gainesville, and it's like, oh, he he's he's evading pressure. He's extending plays with his legs. He's kind of creating out there. It's weird. It's wild to see. But Graham Mertz is having what I think is easily the best, we'll say he's off to the best season of his career. We'll say that. If he can continue what he's doing, even regress a little bit to the mean, it's still the best year of his career. Utah completed 70% of his passes or 70.5% of his passes, three drops. With those drops, he would have completed 83% of his passes. McNeese State completed 82.4%, had a drop, would have been 88.2% adjusted drop, adjusted completion percentage. Against Tennessee, adjusted would have been 87%. It ended up being 79.2%. He's playing well. His average time to throw is quicker than it's ever been because, I mean, his average depth of target is also considerably shorter than it's ever been. But he's he's playing great football right now. Like, he he's truly playing great football. Even if you look at the adjusted percentages to account for drops at Wisconsin, he's way better than he's ever been. Again, I don't, I don't think Graham Mertz is having a Heisman campaign at all. But he's making plays that we've never seen him make before. And that's the really impressive part about it. I don't necessarily care about some of these things. But he's making more plays than we've ever seen. And the offensive line is protecting him. That Utah game really sucked. It did. But Graham Mertz is making plays that we had not seen him make before. And that's the impressive part. Like, that's the crazy part. He's getting blitzed about 45% of the time because defenses know, hey, if we can get back there, we can sack him. He's still getting sacked a good amount of time or a good percentage of the time that they do get back there. They're just not getting back there as much. But against Tennessee, when they did get back there, he made plays. He got sacked, yes. But he made plays where he evaded pressure and threw the quick pass, threw the pass to the outside that he had to get to. The, the scramble, the pump fake, the point, the first down run. Like, Graham Mertz is playing better football than we've ever seen him play, and he looks like he's having more fun than he's ever had. He does. You see him celebrating after the uh, after the touchdown run where he threw, he took like the, I don't even know what they want to call I'm calling it a pimp game. I don't know what they want to call But he, he took the pimp game, pretended to throw up something, and hit a home run. And he like spun in a circle and he started staring and you see like other offensive linemen are just like, damn, look at that. Like he's having fun and he's playing better than we've ever seen him. And just looking at the things from Graham Mertz where it's watching the actual film and watching how he operates and watching how he commands the offense. He's gotten better 
every week. I get it. Utah is the toughest defense he's probably going to see until Georgia. But he's improved in all of these performances. And that is something that needs to get the credit. I'm fully on board with Graham Mertz is having a great year, but I'm not sitting here going, Graham Mertz for highs, highs Mertz. He's exceeding expectations like crazy. But he's still playing, first off, within structure. The big thing that he's improved on is making plays out of structure. That's where Graham Mertz has gotten considerably better. He's commanding this pocket. He's commanding this offense. And he's doing it the way he needs to do it and the way this team needs him to do it. I, I think Graham Mertz is having a very good start to the season. I think he's still playing game manager, which that's all we need you to do. Just buy it. He's showing up in a big moment. He, sh- he showed up big time. Even against Utah, he didn't play bad. He had to fumble when he got rocked. Like He was making plays that we don't see Graham Mertz make. And then now, against Tennessee, he made even more plays we don't see Graham Mertz make. That's the impressive part about what Graham Mertz is doing. That's the impressive part about what Billy Napier is doing. Because I was fully on board with when Graham Mertz came to Florida, I said, He's not good. He's not bad. He's average. I think he's playing above average now. The accuracy's there. However, again, the average depth of target is so small that it's hard for me to really go, he's a big-time player. He's a big-time leader, and he's a big-time commander of the offense. He's doing what he needs to do for the Florida Gators to win football. and if the running backs keep doing their parts. If the receivers keep making plays after the catch, if the defense keeps playing how they've been playing, that sure as hell is good enough for the Florida Gators to walk out of here with a better record than anticipated. Simple as that. I thought going into the year, I I, I feel like I remember saying this is a toss-up that Tennessee might actually walk away with. That's not what happened. And for Florida, just keep doing your thing. Like, like keep the run game going. Don't make big time mistakes. Like, you can't go down early. You can't go down more than one possession early. Because you're going to start forcing it. That's what I think Billy Napier would start to do. And that's not how you win football games. But absolutely dominant performance because the Tennessee Volunteers. I get it. You won by 13, not more. But, oh, man. It, it was a whooping from start of the game, first drive. I get it. You missed the field goal and Tennessee scored. I don't care. That was one hell of a performance from the start of the game to the finish. Hopefully, Grammar's is fine again. There's just a cut on his thumb. That's all that, all that I have to worry about. I don't care too much, but it's not throwing hand. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We will be back tomorrow. Talk more Florida Gators football. We're probably going to talk about recruiting because Florida did get a commit and there's buzz with a couple other targets. For Locked On Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33, and I'll see you all tomorrow.